maybe before it's all said and done that you might want to make a note somewhere here or there to check something out later. <clears throat> you know, some of the best gatherings I've ever been to in my life were preacher gatherings. And uh, also some of the absolute worst gatherings I've ever been to in my life were preacher gatherings. And, um, and I don't know that that will ever change. It's sort of like that joke I have. Uh, John, Michael, y'all appreciate this. I'll say sometimes the best thing a worship leader can do is make some comments. Sometimes the worst thing in the world that can happen is a worship leader starts talking. And uh, that's, that, you know, it just sort of depends on what happens next. A bunch of preachers gets together, what happens next? Could be great, could be horrible. I'll never forget when there was some potential that the Southern Baptist Convention would split in half and all these preachers were arguing and one preacher just stood up and said, I know what I'm going to do. And they said, what are you going to do? He said, whoever keeps the retirement fund, that's who I'm going with. Makes for good humor, but it's poor doctrine. Well, tonight Jesus is going to have one of these moments where a lot of people are really hype about what's going on until he gets to the nitty gritty. And it reminds me of one particular preacher gathering where I, I was at. And there was this sharp debate going on about end times. And um, some people were saying that the, the, the rapture is only a recent concept. It's not necessarily biblical in the way we think about it. That it's only about 150 years old in the way we think about it right now. Uh, often in, in American life, American Christian life. Some people were saying that Jesus would come back after the tribulation. Some were saying he would come back before the tribulation. And some were saying he'd come back in the middle of the tribulation. And, and um, I was unusually quiet. And if you know me, that if I'm quiet, that's unusual. That's why it was un I was unusually quiet, because I was quiet. And I wasn't going to say anything because, uh, you know, well... I wanted to smack most everyone there. Not for what they were saying, but the spirit of the thing was disturbing me. The way they were going back and forth with each other. And I thought smacking everyone would cure it, but turns out that's the same sort of spirit they already had. So I just decided to hold my spirit within myself. Finally, someone asked me what I thought. And I said, oh, no problem, guys. I believe about this issue exactly what the scripture says they said well we've all been quoting scripture I says yes you have and they wanted me to give an answer so finally I said well I'm a pan-millennialist I believe in the end of times it'll all pan out it seemed to me though that no matter what faithful argument these guys were bringing the spirit was messed up that day but whatever faithful argument they were bringing everybody had the same similar contention that it hinged on Christ and so I said brothers in all seriousness it seems to be this issue has a lot it's a lot in the scripture and we need to just dig into the scripture and cling to Jesus because if the hope and whenever he comes amen if your hope is only found in Christ then what do you need to do be holding on to Christ amen and, and, and honestly, it seemed like we left the meeting rather peaceful. And, it, and I was very blessed to have several follow-up discussions. But, you know, that was the issue. If we all believe that standing before God on Judgment Day, the only thing that will help us is being in Christ, then what about the end times? What's the only thing that will help you at the end times? If you have to endure the tribulation, being in Christ. 
If you get taken away, it'll be because you're in Christ. If you stand before governors and counselors and presidents, your only hope of having a wise answer is in Christ. So what's the common denominator, church? In Christ. So what do you need to do is be clinging to Christ. Today's passage is so difficult that when Jesus delivered it, he delivered it to a crowd that was wild for him. And as soon as he said it, most of them left. It's like you get your popularity, and America loves this notion of gaining fame. And then the moment you're at the height of it, you say, what can I do to ruin this? And Jesus does it. It's like he gets the most followers, the most people have clicked like, and he turns them from thumbs up to angry face. They don't have a walk away button. That's unfriend, but it doesn't show up. You just go to send, give your friend a message, and they're not there anymore. They've left you. These people walk away. So it's a long passage. It needs to be handled together. If you've looked in your bulletin and you're a note taker, you've already gone through several small heart attacks. Let's jump into this passage, and here's what I'll honestly say. I'm going to try to provoke some thought that will encourage your Bible study time for the rest of the week and will shape some of your conversations with the body of Christ. And if you're having LT this week, some groups are not having it because of the Unite Revival. I pray that it will be hashed out in your LT meetings um, this week. John chapter number 6, beginning at verse 22, a very long passage. Casey, worth the public reading. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum. Read it together, church. This is the last cool thing the crowd does. Those two words. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man will give you, give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do? to be doing the works of God. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Let me start over. Jesus said to them, say it with me, church, this is the work of God, finish it, that you believe in him who he has sent. Critical. He continues. Well, they continue. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on that last day. It is written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. And they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood as eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and live and I, excuse me and I live because of the father so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me this is the bread that comes down that came down from heaven not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Let the church say, amen. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Father, as we open this passage we humbly pray you open my mind my heart to truth we pray father that you help us to understand that in your divine drawing in your divine wooing you also give us divine will and divine understanding 
Thank you for the difficulty of this passage. It is hard to understand, but more so it's hard to receive. Now, Father, help us in these precious moments. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. All right, get ready for some blazing note-taking. Um, or take a nap, uh, whichever you feel like is fitting. Now, I, I want you to notice something really quickly in this passage. If you go all the way back to the beginning, verses 22 through 24, the crowd follows Jesus for a moment. That happens a lot. That happens a lot. Even today, it happened a lot in those days. Jesus was saying, would say, or do something that pleased people, and they would follow him. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a very political guy. I actually can't stand either side, either of the major sides. Both of them get some stuff right, and both of them get a lot of stuff wrong, and both of them act ugly all the time. But I'm a guy who stays engaged with what's going on, you know. But, you know, you think about it like this, both sides are always quoting scripture. I'm, I'm an I'm a amateur historian. If you read people's journals, people's letters back home from any war, I don't care what God they call out to, both sides are calling out to God. Isn't that always interesting? On the one hand, that no matter what you're talking about, people like something Jesus says, and they usually try to arm it for themselves or to disarm you with it. Like, I love it when people, sometimes people in my own family will, will say they don't like something I did, and they'll say, you're supposed to be a Christian. I got that one the other day just because I wasn't doing something somebody in my family wanted me to do for them that cost me and benefited them. You're supposed to be a Christian. I said, I am, and part of that's being a good stewardship. You know, nanny boo-boo, right? Being a good Christian by not giving your crackhead self some money. Have a nice day. Well, they're actually a meth head, if you want to get into semantics. <sighs> this following Jesus is easy for anyone in a moment. But the moment quickly fails. If you go back and look at, 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 at verses 22 through 24, they go, where did Jesus go? He was here. We had bread. We ate bread. He's gone. We have no bread. Where's Jesus? This is nothing new. So they, they went looking for him. Here, here's a point of application, though. I think we could say this is a solid application from wherever you see human struggle in the Scripture. Whatever people are going through, God wants to use it to draw people to himself. So these people are hungry. They're hungry in their belly. But what does Jesus want to answer to them? How he can satiate the hunger in their soul. What are you going through today? This can be a primer. What you're going through, God really wants to answer it in a much deeper way. You're confused. You're uncertain. You're fearful. You're worried about the economy. You're worried about the politics. You're worried about the, the cooties. You're worried about the weather. I guarantee you whether it's life long or in the moment, what God wants to do is to take that very real need you feel, that very real hunger or fear or whatever, and bring you to himself and begin to answer it all the way out, even before he answers it right in front of you. In other words, he wasn't as concerned about their next meal as he was their eternal situation. And I think it bothers us that God works like that sometimes. <laughs> you know, C.S. Lewis, I love the illustration. He says, I tell my mom I got a toothache and She's like, well, you got to go to the dentist. I don't want to go to the dentist. The dentist starts looking at every tooth in my mouth. I just want that one tooth to stop hurting. Now, tough luck. You're going to see the dentist. I want a whole situation, a whole solution for you. 
I think it bothers us. But look at your life today. What's bugging you? I've got a fly. Let's go. Point number two, this. The crowd follows wanting bread, not bread, a king, not, a, not the king. Now, I wish I had time to flesh all this out, but I would have to pull a Casey and go back and preach the last two sermons. You know, I'm not. I know we have till 6.30. Barbara <laughs> said, I'm going on vacation tomorrow. You have till that time. But suffice it to say, it's, it's, it's really this. There was a crowd of people who wanted, they wanted Jesus like a vending machine. And I don't dismiss that. They were people with real need, real hunger, real sickness. And God was using that stuff to draw them. And I don't dismiss that. You got, we got people around us that their hunger, their hurt, it's real. And you shouldn't be offhand about it. But we also shouldn't ignore the Jesus method. I'm going to minister to you, but what I really want to do is minister to you. So there's that crowd, but there's this other crowd that wants to put him up as king so that they can begin a resistance against the invading authorities. There are others within Israel that want to put him up as their group head. Hey, join the Pharisees and let's show them that if you don't adhere to the law very you know, stringently, God's glory won't come back. Or, 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 or you know, join this group and help us figure out political solutions to social ills. Same way people try to appropriate Jesus today in really trashy ways. They wanted bread. Hey, Katie has promised to make me grilled cheese and tomato soup, one of my favorite meals. Okay, Katie, I'm not going to be at peace with you until you solve this. I don't disdain it, but what he was offering was bread. You have this other hunger in you. The belly is mirroring this deeper hunger. And if you don't eat, you're going to starve to death. And if you don't eat, you're going to starve to judgment. And you have this issue that you're not settled about things in the world. Well, boy, howdy, if you don't settle things with the next world, you're not going to like your other next world. And I'd love to dig through all of this. I want you to notice, though, he doesn't answer that question. Where have you been? He, he could have answered it really easily. I walked over to the Sea of Galilee. He could have said, before, before you were, I am. He just doesn't answer it. I love that. I love that this is a cool reminder that I can ask Jesus every question I want to. It doesn't mean Jesus is going to answer my questions. I can come to Jesus with material things, and I should have the expectations he's going to answer spiritual questions. My running joke, if you've been at East Rock a while, my running joke is I want a great big four-wheel drive truck. And I keep bringing this need to him. And he keeps saying, you're fine. You're fine. What is he doing in this thing? It's not a need. It's a goofy want. But what's he doing? He keeps reminding me to reorder my priorities and put the bigger stuff in front of my vision and let the smaller stuff go contrast here between material wants and spiritual answers I think is alive and well and it's worth highlighting and digging into but do you notice what Jesus said to him don't labor for the bread that perishes that's kind of a hard answer hey Jesus I'm hungry and he goes isn't everyone snow cane there is no bread
You know, uh, if you go to the grocery store, I don't know all of a sudden what happens. Everyone just decides to eat sandwiches. And the old joke is they eat what kind of sandwiches, church? Milk sandwiches. What happens? I don't know. But he says, look, don't labor for that. I mean, he's not saying don't labor. Did anybody catch that? He's not saying don't work. Don't pursue something. Don't feel a deep need for something that makes you chase after it. He said, don't chase after that. Now, if you'll remember back in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says if you get your priorities right, he'll answer all the other stuff. That's really interesting. Matthew 6, beginning around verse 29. He's, he's always telling you to reorder your, your priorities. I got to fly. Let's go. Thirdly, Jesus answers the second question. And, he, and, his, and his answer is awesome. He's like, do the work. Believe. They say, well, look, what works can we do? And you got you to think about this question from a Jewish mind. They're saying, okay, which ceremonies are most important? Which holidays and festivals? Which, which of the laws that, you know, God gave them to us and the rabbis have explained them. Which ones are really important? I mean, Jesus, it seems like you're here to straighten some stuff out. Do we have to tithe of, you know, the herbs and the spices we grow? I mean, tell us. We want you to do the right works, the right ceremonies, the right rituals. You go, oh, cool. You want to do what you're supposed to do? Believe on the one that God has sent. Now, do you think there's other right things to do? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'll give them to you in this order. And this is the order of importance. You ready? Believe on Jesus. And as you walk with Jesus, believe about everything, 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 the way he's telling you to believe about it. And then relate everything in the world to what he has to say about it. Believing in Jesus ain't getting the get out of hell free card it's a get into heaven pleased card it's learning to walk with him and agree with him about everything but first you got to believe he is the unique one sent from God I love I love in uh, verse uh, 29 Jesus says hey this is the work as a matter of fact that's one of them um, verses if you have the freedom to note or highlight or star in your Bible you ought to star because sometimes when worry is assaulting you, fear is assaulting you, hunger is assaulting you, you need to say, wait a minute, what am I supposed to be doing? Believing in the one who God has sent. So he answers that question. What do we do? <laughs> oh, yeah, believe in me. And that, that doesn't always feel like work does, but look at all the things that try to make you not believe. The, the chief of unbelief is working to make believing more, more hard work every day. The chief of unbelief being Satan. Fourthly, Jesus answers their third question. Look at their third question. Go back to verses 30 and 33. 33, 33. So they say, um, so they ask him, then what sign? You know, who's this make y'all think of? What's that crazy guy that he would say, here's your sign. What was his name? Jeff Foxworth. I couldn't think of it. I, you know, if you... If, if, you, if your grandma goes to the pantry with a shopping cart, you might be a redneck. You know, implies that she's stolen. Apparently, y'all's families are not very redneck. <laughs> I've, I've had a great aunt who had a shopping cart from TGNY while it was still open. You can't make this stuff up. She would wheel it around her own house getting things. So when Jeff Foxworthy told that joke, I went, 
he, he knows her? You know what it reveals? There's more people doing this stuff, right? It's like, oh, she's, she's not totally abnormal, right? So they're saying, well, Jesus, what's his sign? You know, and if, I don't know if he would have had a dry erase board, but he had just drawn himself, you know, you know, handing out fishes and loaves, walking on water, turning water into wine. What would Jesus say? Here's your sign. Remember, just as Grant has put on the screen for us, the point of the signs is to believe in him as the unique messenger. That's one of the things that church, secondary sermon, real quick. That's one of the ways you pull apart some of this foolish other gospel work in our day. The signs are always meant to establish a unique messenger who carries a unique message that must be heeded. Not to say God doesn't do amazing stuff. It's just it's not meant to bring focus on a messenger who's not really, really important. I just explained to y'all most of the stuff that you can turn your TV off on now. Most of the clips you can stop watching on Facebook. Right here. The signs are meant to point... So why did he give Moses these, like, these miracle-working powers? Because he was going to deliver them, and he was going to be the lawgiver. And they needed to say, Moses has something really special to say. Why did Elijah raise up people from the dead? Elijah has something really important to say. Am I making sense, church? Say amen. As a side note. But what's your sign? Jesus says it's me. Fifthly, they have another question. They have another question. Go back to verses uh, 34 and 40, but it's a question given in a statement form. They say, give us that bread. And he's like, cool, you can have it. You can ha always have exactly what you will always need. Now, you know, if you don't grocery shop in your house, hush your mouth, okay? And for a while, we've gotten into this rhythm where Kara does most of the grocery shopping. And she buys this loaf bread I don't like. She does. It's healthy or something. I mean, it's hard to toast it. It doesn't have enough unnatural things in it that will turn hard under heat. And, uh, you know, I, and, and, and so I really get this passage where Jesus says this hard stuff and people start grumbling. I go in there, I pull the loaf bread off the top of the microwave. I say, oh, this stuff again. I need some of that stuff that you can, you know, sort of makes a sound when you hit it on the counter when you pull it out. Right? Well, they're saying, we want the bread. And Jesus is like, yes, you do want the bread. Except they're saying, we want the little bee bread. And he's like, no, you want the big bee bread. And you can get it. You can get it. He tells them in no uncertain terms, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never hunger. This should sound amazing, but it also sounds entirely frightening. Somebody say amen. It does. Like, what's Jesus talking about? Are we figuring out to... Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer to the front, please. Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, there needs to be someone here eating a human, and I'm not willing. That's how crazy this sounds. You, I'm the bread, and you got to eat me, and you got to drink my blood. I mean, this is the point where I eat, I'm telling y'all, the, the normal person goes, <clears throat> check, i got to go. <laughs> I'm not going to eat flesh. But it's metaphor on top of metaphor on top of metaphor. He says, you know, God did a miracle by sending people of Israel, bread in the wilderness. Now he's sending bread. They had no way to survive without that bread. You have no way to survive without this bread. Believing on me, me exclusively, me fully, me daily. 
That's the way you're going to live. My blood is the only thing that's ever going to cover you wrong. It's the only thing that's going to make you clean. How do you live? By me. How do you find cleansing? Through me. So all the people that say all religions basically say the same thing, Jesus would say, hush your nasty mouth. You can't make wildly different claims and be saying the same thing. Jesus has just made a radical claim of exclusivity. And he says, I am like bread from heaven. I am the constant only source of provision. And if you stop eating, you'll die. Just like you read, Casey. Abide in me. Abide. Abide. You want to answer your questions about the rapture, the tribulation, the persecution? Your only hope is to do what? Stay close to Jesus. There's more here. Church, believe me, there's more here. Let me, let me just get through this. Six. Jesus explains why, why they receive or reject him. Why do they receive or reject him? We won't dig into all this. And if you don't like the biblical doctrine, doctrine means teaching. Someone say teaching. So when you hear that, don't be afraid. Doctrine means a set of teaching. When you hear the biblical doctrine on election, don't get mad. Just read the Bible. He is saying, the only way you're going to come to me is if the Father gives you to me. Why do people reject Jesus? Wrestle with the Bible. Esau and Jacob. Read Romans. It's tough. My heart's beating right now. Somebody's not going to like this. All right. Maybe we need to find the carpenters in the audience and build a bridge real quick. And what do you do when you build a bridge? Amen. Jesus is saying, if God doesn't draw you, so is there at least a possibility that God doesn't draw some people? There's at least that possibility. You have to say that in the minimum, there's that possibility. Is it possible that God presents Jesus to some people as the saving grace that he has fully and freely offered, and they say no? Hmm. So you've got to be drawn, and some walk away. Jesus says, let me tell you what. Nobody comes unless the Father draws them. No one comes. He says, now, everybody stays with me. I'm going to raise them up on the last day. There's a whole other doctrine that we could talk about. We need to wrestle with these things. I'll throw another thing in there. Just look up irresistible grace and have your mind blown for three or four days. Or just dismiss it and don't think about it at all. There's some choices. One of my great, 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 great aunts married John Knox. No joke. John Knox founded the Presbyterian Church. Uh, my family alone has been wrestling with this doctrine for centuries. Not, I mean, we, my generation wrestled with Jack Daniels, but I'm talking about some of my ancestors. I mean, this is nothing new. This is actually as ancient as God ever saying, let there be light. God is zealous for his glory, and he gets the credit in any good thing, because if it's good, it comes from him, and if it's not good, it didn't come from him. It's, is salvation good? Is salvation good? Then where did it come from? See how big this is? Seventh, everlasting life can only come through the true bread from heaven. Jesus says this in verses 47 through 51. You'll want to take note of that, study it a little bit more. It's much more than I'm giving, giving, it, giving, it, um, giving a treatment to. It's, it's a tough saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, says in verse 47, whoever believes in me has eternal life. What's the key here? Believing on Jesus. Now, somebody can say, 
Now, I hear what you're saying, and you're telling me that uh, uh, if I don't believe, I won't have eternal life. Yes. And here's how I'm telling you. I'm quoting Jesus himself. So you got to get to this point where you either say he's a fool, he's a joker, or he's a real deal. Right? So you, you can get mad at the preacher, but the preacher's quoting the, the great priest, the great high priest. And he says, just point blank, whoever believes in me has eternal life. Well, praise God, I believe in Jesus. So here now I'm in this great position. I'm taking him at his word. I'm literally taking him at his word. Now, like, like watch, I can do this public thing. Hey, John, do you got any cash on you? Uh, do you got, huh? Well, that's what I asked. Do you have 10 bucks? You got five? You got, you got five. So could I get it from you? All right, you see this? Now, I'm not going to get it right now, John, because I mean, sucker. Um, but, you know, John has given me his word in front of everyone. And it would be an interesting thing to hold John to his word. God just gave his word to all of the universe. Salvation is not of you. It's simply holding God at the offer he's offered. Isn't that interesting? Eighth, I should go eighth, ninth, tenth, and hurry up. When people miss the signs, they miss the Savior. And if they miss the Savior, they miss his salvation. This is where people really balk at what he says. No one can say it better than Augustine, or if you like, if you prefer, Augustine. He said, uh, Crede et Mandiscati. That means, <laughs> that means eat and trust. Or you can flip it and say, trust and eat. When Jesus says, I've got to be your sustenance or you're going to die. Augustine says, what do you do with that? You say, yum, yum. That's what he's saying. When Jesus says, you got to eat me or there's no hope for you, Augustine or Augustine, however you like him, would say, uh, find your napkin, get your fork. Trust that and live. Tr believe and eat. Believe him and eat. One of my favorite sayings from my childhood came from my dad. We would have some friend over, and my dad would say to this friend, uh, make yourself at home, just remember you ain't. That's this sort of fake uh, hospitality or a limited hospitality. Jesus is offering a full hospitality. Like, I'm what you need. Now, come on. I mean, get all you want. Eat and believe. Ninth. At the exclusive and radical claims of Jesus, many stopped their following. Did you guys notice that? Verse 60, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. And again, let the church say, this is a hard saying. This is a hard passage. But Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, says, do you take offense at this? It's really interesting to me that many people left away from him at that point. Many people. And did you notice he's in a synagogue in Capernaum? And did anybody notice that in verse 59? This whole thing is, is an open dialogue in a very religious setting. And you got a crowd that's looking for bread, a crowd that's looking for a king, and you got a religious crowd that wants answers, and they're all mingled in there together, and he gives all of them the same answer. I'm the bread. Grab a fork. And at the sound of clanging silverware, fall into the ground, most of the people walk away. I love that 
the scriptures acknowledge, the, the disciples acknowledge, and these disciples become the main teachers of the New Testament church. They say, this is a hard saying. We got to work with this. Amen. Jesus ever revealed something to you that you had to work with for a while? Whew. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Sometimes it's hard to do. I remember when Jesus revealed to me that I needed to cease having such a foul mouth. I had no problem understanding that command. But I went to work the next day, and boy, I had problems deploying it. Because then people made me mad every day. And whatever's in the well comes up in the bucket, and the well was full. One guy even pointed out, I was at work, and I was out at the power plant. I was praying with a guy and cussing while I was praying. And another believer, I was praying with a lost guy. A guy says, you, you know, do you always talk to the Lord like that? I said, oh, yeah, I say whatever I got to say. I didn't even realize I was cussing. He had to question me. He said, man, you, you're talking kind of rough. And I'm like, it's okay. He said, no, it's a bad testimony, man. It's supposed to be set apart. I think I said something ugly and walked away. But it, it really started to gnaw on me. I tested the scriptures like, man, this guy's right, you know. Your language does matter. Wow. And it's also revealing. So it wasn't hard to understand. It was hard to accept. I, I say this is both hard to understand and hard to accept. But I don't think it's as much hard to understand as it's hard to accept. Amen? Now, on the one hand, well, tenthly, tenthly and quickly and lastly, Jesus helps us understand the reason they, those people then and people today, walk away from him. The thing is, Jesus is saying he's it, and his teachings are it, okay? So, it's like if I say to John, John, will you give me five bucks? I mean, really, would you do it? I believe you would. I believe if you had 25, you'd give it to me. <laughs> That's a great illustration. Will you give me five bucks, right? All right, uh, but if I say to John, John, would you give me all of your life, your waking and sleeping moments, all of your talents, all of your resources. I imagine you balk at that. I mean, don't, don't do that with me because we'll get in trouble. Um, so you wouldn't mind a friend asking you for five bucks. You wouldn't want to become the slave of a friend. Well, Jesus says, give me your whole life, and if I ask you for five bucks, it ought not be no problem. Give me your whole entire life. Trust me so much that I become the thing you live off of, and when I start talking to you about the issues in your life, You've already given me your whole life. Don't back up now and separate some issue. That's why this is a hard saying. Because we got a culture that wants to get out of hell free car, but they don't want a Lord. And Jesus is only ever offering himself as a Lord who will, who will lead you to escape hell. He doesn't get you out of hell just so you can live like hell. He brings you under his lordship so that he can lead you into heaven, which is nowhere near hell. Escaping hell is a nice byproduct of gaining salvation, of gaining friendship with God. So is it a hard saying? Yes. Is there way much more? Yes. Have I been talking too long? Yeah. Depends on who you ask. <laughs> Me? I studied hard on this passage. I really did. I think there's a lot to wrestle with here, and if you think that I think that I've covered it all, whew, no. Anybody that even does a daily devotional knows you can mine a verse sometimes for days, just days on end. You can... I believe we could mine this chapter, this passage for, for some decades. I really do. Because when he says, this is the work to do, you suddenly start looking at everything you do and say, well, am I doing that work in this work? Hmm. 
when something assaults you? Am I, am I trusting that bread-giving, storm-calming uh, manna from heaven? Am I drinking of his forgiveness? This, this passage is way deeper than Tim, Tim's last two hours of talking and giving it. Side problem, we got snowed out last week, gave me a whole nother week to study it. Whew, it was so much fun. Too much time, man. So, so I think you need to keep, keep, keep on digging in, yes, right? I think we see a huge pattern here that's worth reiterating before we move to a time of reflection and close. <clears throat> if you've ever doubted that Jesus sees himself as the unique son of man sent to save people. This passage should clear any of that up. He is literally saying, I'm it. I'm the one. I'm the stuff. And, and when he says whatever the father gives him, he's going to get all of it. It doesn't just mean people. He means he's the key to the redemption of all of creation. The world groans to be set free from the curse. All things will be set right. He's saying he's the key to all of it. All of them and all of it. Where first Adam failed, second Adam succeeded. He will, by his death on the cross, his righteous death on the cross, his defeat of death, he will be given the right to be called Lord. He's winning that right right now. He was Lord in heaven. He will win in the flesh, Lord of earth. And in being Lord of earth, he now commands heaven and earth legitimately, and he done it in the exact way we lost it, through the flesh. Doctrine is so huge here. But Jesus says, I'm it. I'm, I'm it. And if you want the big fancy words, this is called Reformed theology. And Reformed theologians just say, well, we just read the Bible. I'm, I'm, you know, Spurgeon said, no man needs to defend the word of God. He says, it's like a sleeping dog. Wake it up and it'll defend itself. Jesus says, he's it. Now, what have you been putting your trust in? Some of you guys, some of us, I'm, I'm with y'all, okay? Some of us are allowing the enemy to assault areas of our life, and we've ripped out little places where we've taken them back from the Lord. We gave our whole selves to the Lord. We say, I'm not going to let you touch my money. I'm not going to let you touch my sexual habits. I'm not going to let you touch my spare time. Pick your poison. Pastors like this, Jesus says, no, nah, man. You got to eat my body and drink my blood, and, and this is super serious. This is not playtime. Being my disciple is not playtime. And you need this reminder. Some of you disciples need this reminder. Some of us have believed some other gospel, which the Apostle Paul would contend what, church? It's no gospel at all. And this is just a real gospel. It's not the real gospel because East Rock preaches or Tim Bowes preaches. It's the real gospel because Jesus, Jesus said this, okay? So if you got a problem with what Jesus said, you got a problem with Jesus. If you got a problem with Jesus, then you're anti-Christian. If you're anti-Christian, you're likely unchristian. If you're unchristian, you're unsaved. If you're unsaved, you're going to hell. Pretty tough stuff. If you ever want a testimony of, I'm, I'm going to just put somebody on the mental spot here. If you ever want a good testimony of, uh, just wholeheartedly coming to the Lord with being in the wrong theological environment and getting delivered out of it. Just talk to Rhonda sometime. Rhonda got a great testimony of that. 
is she's pretty passionate about solid biblical doctrine now, which is encouraging to me. Glad the Lord sent her passion and Mike's dry humor to our Life Together group. We don't wrestle with this because Tim said it. We wrestle with it because Jesus said it. Do you know him today? And the Bible, he says right here, if you believe this, you'll be saved and he'll keep you until he raises you. In other words, even, even if you live past the time that he comes back, he'll still raise you. Amen? If you die before he comes back, don't worry. What will he do? He'll raise you. What's the key to that raising? It's Jesus. Believing on Jesus. This is the work. Believe on Jesus. Have you believed on Jesus? The altar's yours. The songs are ours. The faith is being shared. Respond as he leads you. Father, thank you for a patient, word-ready group of people. Thank you for this gift. That we could take an enormous passage and introduce it. And even in the middle of that, unveil some critical truth. Father, anyone who knows the Lord in truth, they do not hold that in any sort of arrogance. We know it was a gift to us. And so, Father, if we present the truth with that sort of arrogance, forgive us and work past our weakness. There be any soul, man, woman, boy, or girl, who needs to believe on Jesus then woo them. Maybe today they'll just start wrestling, but we trust you to win them. Not us, not emotions, not promises of the good life on earth, just that Jesus is life. Do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. In Jesus, I pray. Amen.